All right. How are we feeling tonight, by the way? Come on, y'all make some noise. Let me know you're there, please. Now that we get, we got some new lights in here, and I can't see anything out here anymore. I can, I mean, I can't even see our sound guy. Tyler, are you even back there still? I have no idea. Okay, good. He is. Hey, uh, we're so glad you're here today. I hope your week's been going great. A uh, couple things I just want to highlight real quick. I know she just got done talking about this, but Give a Meal has been unbelievably awesome. We've given away over 12,000 pounds of food. I mean, 12 thousand pounds of food. Come on, that's awesome. And uh, I, I'm telling you, if you haven't had a chance to come, please come. We're doing this next one on Saturday. And ain't nobody working on Saturday. Y'all know this. Come on, y'all can get here. If you, if you can make it work, come help us. I promise you there's something for you to do. It's not hard work. It's not like you're going to be out here, you know, cutting the grass with a pair of scissors. And not, why I seem to do it? It's just literally we want people to feel welcome when they come here. And especially, this one is especially important. It's right before Easter. Every person that comes is getting a personal invitation to come join us the next day. Um, and we're doing it right here in the parking lot. So it's so easy to go, hey, Come here tomorrow at 4 p.m. You can sleep in and still come to Easter Church. I mean, come on. There's hardly any churches around here that can say that. So we're taking full advantage of it, and uh, we're trying to talk about that a little bit. But also, I hate that we're not going to be able to do it tomorrow because people need food. I'm telling you, we've prayed for hundreds of people now. Every week, we get to pray for every single person that pulls in, in their face. Like, we're sitting here, window rolls down. How can we pray for you? That's the first thing we ask them. How can we pray for you today? And this last year hit them hard. They need this, and they need us to step up and do it. So if you can come, come on. Come do it with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thomas back here, if y'all have ever had any of the cooking from that man and his mom, I'm telling you right now, that's not his mom sitting next to him. That's his lovely wife. But... He works with his mother and does has a catering business. It's really good. I'm telling you right now, it's so good. What's on the menu? Chicken spaghetti, some rolls, and some green beans. And they can literally take it home, put it in the oven, and they got a hot meal right there. And we'll be here from 3 to 5. Okay? So spread, at least help us spread the word. If you see this pop up on Facebook, share it and, uh, and let people know it's happening so that they can get here. We cool? We good on that? all that? All right, next week's Easter. Come on now. We got to fill this room up with people for me for Easter. My, I've been praying over the fast, a hundred people on Easter. I would love that. And the only way that's going to happen is if you invite people. I can't invite everybody that you know. I don't know everybody that you know, but I want to meet them. I promise you, I, I would love to know who they are. Take a stack of those invite cards. Go out to eat this week. Go to get coffee or something this week. Invite people. Say, hey, come with me to church. It starts at four. It's so much fun. Like, talk it up and get people here. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. So I'm super excited about it. But I'm also excited about ending this series. We've been talking about the devil. Y'all say the devil. Come on, he's no good. I, I hate that guy with everything in me because he hates me. And guess what? He hates your family. He hates you. I've been saying this every week. It's, I sound like a broken record. He hates everything about you. He wants everything in your life to be destroyed. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The destroyer. Y'all say destroyer. Come on. Y'all got to be destroyer. Y'all say it. There we go. The Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Now, don't underestimate him. He's an enemy that he don't met. He's a great, he's a great enemy. Don't mess with him. And he, he's the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion and he's looking for someone to devour. He's looking 
And guess what? He's looking for any chance he can get to get at you because he wants to destroy everything about your life. He really does. He wants to destroy your friendships. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy your reputation. He wants to destroy your, your family. He wants to destroy your relationship with God. Anything he can get, he wants to destroy. The first week, we talked about how the, he's a deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. Last week, we talked about how he's the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. Last week, I mean, it hit me square between the eyes, and I'm preaching it. And uh, I'm telling you, you, everybody has that little voice in their head that feeds them those lies all the time. And tonight, we're going to talk about how he's the destroyer who attacks your heart with pride. He attacks your heart with pride. I used to think that the devil only goes after the weak people, that he only goes after people that are alone, right? They're, they're kind of out there. They don't have anyone around them to protect them. And he certainly does attack people like that. But what I've learned is I've been preparing for this series. And as I've been reading the Bible, I see that not only does Satan attack the weak people, that's expected. Satan's smarter than that. He actually attacks people when they're the most vulnerable. And you're asking, what? well, who is the most vulnerable? If the weak people and, and these people that don't have faith, if they're not the weak people, who are you talking about? Well, I am so glad you're at, you asked, all right? So we're going to get into that tonight. So today we're going to be talking about a story in uh, the Old Testament of a guy named David. Y'all say David. How many of y'all have ever heard of David before? Come on. All right, David and Goliath, okay? He's it's kind of like what he's known for. David, we're starting a new series, a brand new sermon series, uh, the week after Easter, three weeks on the life of David. There's a lot we can learn from David. And uh, he was a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says. He wrote half of the biggest book of the Bible, Psalms. He wrote over half of that. And he was one of the greatest kings to ever live. And so if you know anything about David, you know that he started off as a little shepherd boy. And uh, when he was just a little, like, teenager, like 13, 14 years old, and talks to the prophet at the time. His name is Samuel. And God talks to Samuel and says, hey, I want you to go to Jesse's house. Jesse was David's dad. And I want you to go to Jesse's house. The, the new king of Israel is at that house. You go. He looks at Jesse and says, hey, Congratulations, the new king of Israel lives at your house. He's one of your sons. Bring him to me. And so Jesse brings all of his sons, almost all of his sons, out in front of Samuel. And Samuel's going down the line. He looks at the oldest one. And he's like, that dude is yoked right there. He and he does the same thing. He goes, the next one. No, nope, that's not the guy. The next one. No, nope, that's not the guy. And finally, he goes through all of the, all the sons that Jesse brought out. And he looks at Jesse and says, uh, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good at hearing God, right? That's kind of my job. And uh, he told, do you have any other? And God, outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. David had the heart. After three weeks after Easter, it's going to be really good. I started writing it earlier this week. I am pumped. About it. I got a lot of reading to do though before <laughs> talk about the life of David. But he gets there. He's anointed king. Well, soon after he's anointed king, all the other big buff brothers, they're in the army. And so they get off and they start fighting. 
that weighed like 40 pounds. Can you imagine? He would throw that at people. Insane. He, the Bible talks about him. He's going and he's taking his brother's Says He goes and he brings him this lunch. And all of a sudden he sees Goliath. Boy at this time. In the name of God. You hear how he's talking about our. our, our you're talking about who's going to go fight this guy. You're crazy. And all of a sudden, David's like, I'm going to go do it. And so we all know the story. He takes the stone, he puts it in the sling. He's in one shot, right? And not only that, I said this with the, the kids were in here earlier, and I sold this part of the story. I probably shouldn't have done it. But he then takes Goliath's big old sword and he chops. He also was a little bit of a psychopath, okay? That's, that's a weird serial killer stuff, okay? But I would probably do the same thing, you know, if I did that. So he does this, and all of a sudden, overnight, David becomes this little shepherd boy, and overnight becomes this warrior. The whole kingdom's talking about this dude. And so all of a sudden, he goes from, like, zero to hero. Come on, any Hercules fans in the house? That's an awesome song, right? He goes from zero to hero. He does this thing, and everyone is like, that dude is awesome. Well, come to find out, he wasn't only good with a sling and a stone. That dude knew how to fight. He knew how to uh, command armies. And all of a sudden, the king at the time, he wasn't acting. David was anointed king. He would conquer country after country, city after city. And all of a sudden the kingdom grew and everything that David touched turned into gold. Everything. The Bible actually says this, that there were the women of the city, the women of, of all of Israel, they would go into the streets and sing songs about David. I mean, come on, can you imagine that right now? Stephanie's never written me a song before and sang it to me. I mean, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not nearly as cool as David was. David was the man. I mean, can you imagine? He goes out in the street and women just singing songs to him. I mean, this guy was a bad, bad dude. He owned everything. He could do no wrong. But David was flawed. He was a man after God's own heart, but he was flawed. And so if I were to ask you, some of the, someone in here, what is David's biggest weakness? What was his biggest mistake? Right, you've, you've heard his story before. You've heard of David and Goliath. You've heard of him dancing around when the ark finally returned to Israel. You've heard of how he killed lions and bears. That's going to be the title of the message series, by the way, is Lions, Giants, and Bears. Oh my, that's what the, it's going to be fun. I'm excited about it. But you've heard about all these things. But David made some mistakes. Now, if I were to ask you, what's David's biggest mistake? You'd probably say him cheating on his wife with Bathsheba and then murdering her husband, right? Have you ever heard that story before? That's pretty bad, all right? You probably, everyone in here would probably agree that was his biggest mistake, that was his biggest sin. Well, I'm gonna argue something a little different. While that is terrible, all right, I'm not trying to get away, that's really, really bad. That's not his biggest mistake. Not even close to his biggest mistake. And he's still known as a person after, a man after God's own heart which tells me that year before, we're going to look at it and uh, we're going to dive into what made David so vulnerable even when he was at the top of his game. That thing we're going to talk about tonight is pride. Pride is tricky because some of you are going, really, pride over adultery and like murder? Yeah. 
That's how tricky pride is. You never see it coming. That is when you're the most vulnerable. You're not the most vulnerable when you're weak. You're not the most vulnerable when you're alone. You're not the most vulnerable when you're uh, weak and all these things. You're the most vulnerable when you're prideful because you never see it coming. You never think to check behind your back. So if you think about it, and this is going to sound weird, okay? So you can laugh at this. If it's going to feel weird to laugh, you can laugh at this, okay? If you look at the sin that David committed with Bathsheba and then murdering her husband, we all agree that's really terrible. None of us should ever do that, right? Um, if you look at that story, only four people died in that story, right? Four people dying, still a big deal, okay? So I'm not trying to scare you, four people dying. But the story we're going to talk about tonight, because of David's pride, 70,000 people died. 70,000 people. That's all of Nissan Stadium, packed full on a Sunday for Titans game. All of those people would be dead if, if, for, because of pride in, in this story. And so it says this in First Chronicles chapter 21. It says, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. All right, so you're reading that and you're like, that ain't a big deal. We, our country takes censuses, censi, what's the, what's the plural of census? I don't know. We take them every so often, right? And they're a good thing, right? Like everybody, that's like a nonpartisan thing, right? Take, when the census comes around, fill it out because it's good. It helps us understand how much representation we need in the House of Representatives. It helps allocate funds, right? It helps uh, decide like, okay, how big does our military need to be? How much money do they need? How, it really does, it's really a great thing to do a census. The census isn't a big deal. Moses actually did a census in the Bible, he actually, uh, if you read about it, uh, he gave a half a shekel to every male over the age of 20. It was called an atonement money or it was called ransom money at the time. And it was uh, a completely different type of census than what David did. Moses did it to honor God. He was, he was doing the census to count exactly what kind of miracle did God actually do? He was, he was counting to see how many people were actually freed from Egypt during that time. How many people have actually stepped into freedom for the very first time in their life? He was counting these things so that he could honor God and say, God, thank you so much. There was literally millions of people that are free now because of what you've done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And he invested in it. He gave to it. He gave a half a shekel to every man over the age of 20 so he could honor God. David took a census to honor himself. And you can sit there and go, well, that sounds weird, but let me tell you how it goes. David's at the top of his game. Nothing can take him out. Uh, I made this joke earlier. Like his number one song on his Spotify playlist is we are the champions, baby. I mean, they are, he loves everything that's been happening. And you can imagine the devil at this point, he's going to attack because David would never see it coming. And the devil gets in his ear and he says, Hey, dude, you're pretty awesome. You remember that time when you killed Goliath? I mean, that you went from a shepherd to a king overnight. Nothing can touch you, dude. David and his mighty men, that was something that was known back then. They were bad dudes. They didn't lose. Everything you touch, David, it turns to gold, man. Man, this kingdom, it had to have grown 10 times under your leadership, man. Like everybody here at this palace, they work for you. That you don't answer to nobody, man. Like nothing can take you out. You should do a census. Satan, you should do a census, man. You should do a census. I don't know why I keep saying man like he's from L.A. or something like a, like a surfer guy. You should do a census. 
just to see how successful you've become. Like, you should really see just how big this kingdom is, all because of you, man. And all of a sudden, he's doing this. He's, Satan has risen up, and he's incited David to take the census. And you're thinking, that's not a big deal. Well, pride will always get you to think that. This isn't a big deal. Of course I'm going to do a census. And he's going to justify it, right? Yeah, we need to see how much money we need to spend and doing all these things. He's justifying everything. But pride will blind you. Pride will cause you to stumble. And that is when you're most vulnerable because you'll never see it coming. I remember um, right now, me and a couple guys, Thomas right here and a guy named Bobby, uh, who's working security over there in the kids ministry. Y'all love, love, love these guys. They're awesome. We go work out five days a week. 95% of the time, I would say, five days a week at First Baptist Hendersonville. I've talked about this a couple of times and uh, I love it. I, I look forward to it most mornings, okay? Uh, at least when I get there, I'm, I'm happy. But getting up is never fun. But we get there and uh, we, we, we work out. But I remember years ago, I actually joined First Baptist and I was 19 years old, just out of high school. And uh, we were going and a couple of my buddies were like, hey, we're taking this class. It's called Pump. You should come. And I said, okay, that's, that's cool with me. So I show, I'm like, you ain't going to challenge me to go to this class. I'm, I'm going to go. And I, I'm going to outdo it. You know, I'm going to outdo you. So I turn everything into a competition. So we get there, and me and my two buddies are the only three dudes in the whole class. Okay, there's about 40 people in this class. Me and these two guys are the only dudes in the whole class. The rest of them are women. The person teaching the class is a woman. And... Uh, and I see the teacher of this class put on her dumbbell or her barbell 40 pounds. And that, I'm like, I'm going to do 80, right? I'm, I'm doubling what she's doing because she's not going to outwork me. None of these people are going to outwork me. So I put 80 pounds on my dumbbell. Um, this was a bad decision. All right, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is not good. So my, uh, I, I, I fill up a pride. I'm like, I can do 80, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut this place down is what I'm going to do, right? So I put on 80 pounds, or I, I, I have put on 80 pounds probably, but I put 80 pounds on the, on the dumbbell or the barbell, and we start the class. And I'm talking, we start that class hard. I'm t- we went from zero to 100 like that, all right? So we start going, we're doing some of that barbell I didn't know you could do. And all of a sudden, 80 pounds got real heavy, real fast. I'm talking like 45 seconds into the class, I start feeling weird. All right, I'm like, I don't feel right right now. Like something in my body is not working the way it should be working. And so um, I keep powering through. I'm like, I don't need to stop. I'm this, this, she's not stopping. I'm not going to stop, right? And so I keep going about three minutes into the class. Okay, that's not long. Uh, a song on the radio lasts longer than this, all right? So three minutes into the class, I realize that the lights have turned off in this classroom. And I can't hear anything that's happened in the classroom. Uh, I have this really loud... I was going blind. My blood sugar was tanking. I'm talking like scary low, right? It, my blood sugar tanked and my eyes were wide open, but I could not see my hand in front of my face. It was, and my ears were ringing super loud. And all of a sudden, I think my body is like, you are going to meet your maker if you don't stop now, right? And so my heart's pounding out of my chest. I, I'm laying on the ground at this point because we were doing something on the ground. Well, I'm like, I need to go get a drink of water, right? That's gonna help me. I stand up and when I stand up, I mean, the world turned upside down in my, in my brain. I start stumbling. I'm like, I lean against a wall 
And I can't, still can't see, still can't hear anything. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling across the wall of this classroom, trying to fight like this. Everyone, else, 40 other people in the class are working out, doing fine. And I'm like, trying to feel my, I find, I find the door. I go out in the hallway, in the hallway, and just lay flat on my back like this. I didn't, I'm like, this is it. I'm going to, I'm dying at this church right now. And so I get out there. My friend comes out there and he just stands over me. He's like, you doing good? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And all, I laid there for an hour, an hour, 60 minutes. The class leaves after 30 minutes. They all leave. They do another class after that. I'm laying in the hallway. People are checking on me. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. And all of a sudden, like I kind of came to again. That is what pride will do to you. It'll think that you can handle something, but you can't. Pride always says, I can handle it. How many times have you gotten into trouble in your life because you thought, I can handle it, right? I can do that. I, said, be, I can do this, right? I can handle it. Well, let me tell you, that's a lie. That's pride right there. And it's so hard for you to see it. It's so hard to look in the mirror and see the pride, right? Like I looked at that and I... Everyone in the world can look at me and go, what are you putting 80 pounds on there for, dude? You need 20 pounds on there. You know what I'm saying? Like you are not in shape. And at this, I'm more in shape now than I was then. And I still wouldn't put 80 pounds on there now. Thomas is laughing because he knows how much I lift. And it's not, I should be lifting a lot more than what I do right now. But he, pride, it's hard to see it. And it's so easy to see it in someone else. Like I, I'm telling you, you're real good at seeing the flaws in your spouse. You're real good at seeing the flaws in your parents. And your best friend, you can look at them and go, well, you're just rude, right? Or you're just this, you're just that. It's so hard to see it in yourself. David had a guy that saw it. His name was Joab and he was loyal to David. He was actually the commander of the troops and he clearly saw it in David. It says this in 1 Chronicles 21, but Joab did not include Levi and Benjamin in the numbering because the king's command was repulsive to him, Right? It goes on to say this, this command was so evil in the sight of God that God punished Israel. It was so, just a simple little census was so evil. Joab, his own dude, like his, like his best friend saw it and was like, I'm not doing that. Let me tell you, I'm going to tell you, this isn't in my notes. This is going to be free for you tonight, okay? You need people in your life that are not impressed by you. You need people in your life that can look you in the eyes and go, you're being dumb. You can't, I, I, listen, you can't, everybody's got blind spots and you're thinking, no, I don't. Well, there's yours right there, okay? You do. And you can't see those blind spots until you have someone point them out. You need people in your life that aren't impressed by you, that can look at you and go, Clint, what you're doing right now is not smart. You need to stop. We have a financial board here. That helps us with that. And in fact, they have no problem telling us no whenever we want to spend money on something that we feel like we need to do. And they'll go, no, that's not wise. None of those people on that board are impressed by me. I try to surround people in my life of the people that look at me and go, ah, no, you're not that cool, dude. Like, I, I love you too much to think too highly of you. You need those people in your life. I don't want to be a pastor that fails 10 years from now because I, everyone in my life is a yes man. You don't need yes men in your life. You need people that are going to look at you like Joab and go, you got to stop. Those people keep you humble. Those people are gifts to you. Don't resent it. And it always happens in love. But you need those people in your life that are going to take care of you. All right, back to the sermon. Here we go. All right, so which is worse? Adultery? We talked about that with David. Or pride? 
Well, let's look what David actually says. It says this in 2 Samuel 12. This was after he cheated on his wife with Bathsheba and then killed her husband. All right, we all talked about that earlier. He says this, I have sinned against the Lord. That's what he said. That's pretty bad. He admitted it. But with this story that we're talking about right now, it says this in 1 Chronicles 28. David said to God, I have sinned greatly by doing this. I'm going to tell you, pride is the worst thing in your life. You could be addicted to anything. You could struggle with anything. You can make the same mistake every day. But I'm telling you, pride is the worst mistake you could possibly make. Choosing to be prideful, living in a prideful lifestyle is the worst thing you can do. And so we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about the deadly sin of pride. I'm glad y'all came to church. I hope you're encouraged today, all right? The deadly sin of pride, because it is. The devil is using it to destroy your life right now. And if you think it's not happening, you're his prime suspect. You're the victim he's coming after the hardest. Because you may never be more vulnerable than when you are full of pride. You may never be more vulnerable when you're full of pride. Some of you right now, you're vulnerable. Because you don't think you're vulnerable. But you are. People that get on their high horse are the targets. I mean, they had the biggest target on their back. I don't want you to be that person. There's a person in scripture called Uzziah, all right? He was, a, he was a bad dude. I mean, I'm talking, this dude was, he would make David look like a little boy. I mean, he, he actually had an innovation of war that made him very famous. In the Bible, you can read about it if you want. It's in one of the Chronicles, okay? You can read about it. But he was very famous. But the Bible says this about him. But after Uzziah became powerful, let me stop there for a second. After he became powerful, this happened. If you're in here and you're successful at something, first of all, never forget that it came from God, but don't let it get to your head. Because after you become powerful, I don't want this to be said about you. After Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Don't let pride lead to your downfall. The gift of power, the gift of influence, the gift of these of leadership and all these things, they come at a price. You have to stay humble if you want to keep it. But as soon as you start getting prideful, as soon as you start thinking, man, this is awesome. I get it. I got it all together. It's no, listen, no, don't, don't mistake me here. It's okay to be proud of the things that God's accomplished. It's okay to, to think, man, I'm really glad I get to be a part of this. It's okay to enjoy it. It's not okay to be prideful about it because it never comes from you. It never comes from you. Pride, it can take out your leadership. Pride, it can take out your credibility. Pride can hurt your marriage. Pride can hurt your intimacy with God. Pride can ruin your friendships. Pride can ruin your life. Pride will destroy anything and everything. And the devil's using it all the time against us, even when we don't realize it. The Bible says this in Proverbs, pride precedes destruction. An arrogant spirit always appears before a fall. Let me show you a pastor. Let me show you a leader. Let me show you a husband. Let me show you uh, anybody that's fallen in their life in a major way. And I promise you, you're going to be able to find some pride. Because pride is the quickest pathway to destruction. It's the quickest pathway there. The Bible talks about it. 
So how does it manifest ourselves, right? Okay, we're all struggling with pride, but how does it manifest itself? And here's the deal. It's sneaky. Some of these things aren't going to sound bad, but I'm telling you, they're full of pride. Some people think, man, I would never do that. You hear about someone else that made a big mistake. I hear all the time. It would blow your mind. Uh, and I, I'm going to be careful. I'm not going to say that actually. Okay. There's a lot of pastors that fall. Pastors are under a lot of stress and pressure a lot of times. A lot of times they make bad decisions and they can ruin their ministries. They can ruin their marriages. They can ruin their lives. You hear about it all the time. And I promise you all of them have thought, I've heard these people talk to me directly before. They always think I would never do that. Right? Like I'm good. I got this. I'm not, I'm not going to do that, right? I'm, I'm, I'm good, right? Like, I'm a, I'm a plaster. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I, I'm never going to do that. That's pride. Come on. Some of you in here are self-made people. You, man, you put on your, your, your boots and you got to work and you made something of yourself, right? Like, and you might think, I'm a self-made person. I've worked hard. I deserve to enjoy this a little bit, right? Like, I deserve to, to let loose a little bit. Come on. I came from nothing. That's pride, Some of you, this is pride for you. Listen, I know I got a problem. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to ask for help. I can handle this on my own. No one needs to know this secret, right? I can handle it. Well, let me tell you, that's pride and that's going to eat you alive. You're not going to, your soul is going to deteriorate doing that. Or how about this one? I'm not apologizing for that. That's not my fault. They hurt me. Why should I have to apologize to them, right? Like I'm not going to do that. That's pride. And let me remind you, you may never be more vulnerable than when you're full of pride. And those things, some of those don't sound bad. It's great to be a self-made person. It's great to have a hard work ethic. It's great to follow God and to think that, man, I really hope I don't mess this up. But don't ever think that it can't happen to you because you'll never be more vulnerable than when you're full of pride. So how does God feel about people that are proud? Let me tell you, in James chapter four, it says this, God opposes, y'all say opposes. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. All right, so submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. All right, y'all gonna get a little lesson in Greek, okay? That word oppose is actually a military term. That term means this, it means uh, that to have a full army ready for battle. I know it's coming, and so I'm going to have a full army ready to go and unleash you-know-what on these people. That's what this word opposes mean. That's how much God hates pride. He, your life will not work out if you're prideful. Ultimately, you'll feel the effects of this. Ultimately, you're going to feel the effects of God not giving you blessing, not giving you his favor. He hates pride. All right, we're going to get to that in a second. The Greek word for the term submit in that passage, it means to voluntarily rank beneath something or under somebody. So that means humility, the opposite of pride, submission, is a choice. You can voluntarily choose it. You don't have to continue down this road. You can voluntarily choose to be humble and to not be prideful. And when it comes to God and Satan, there is no middle ground, okay? There's no middle ground here. You don't like kind of love God. You don't kind of serve God. You don't kind of just struggle with pride. You're either prideful or you're not. There's no middle ground. 
But the good news is that we get a choice. We can choose to be humble. We can choose to ask God for help. Let me ask you this. How much better would your business be? How much better of an employee would be if you prayed every day before you got to work and said, God, I can't make this decision on my own. I can't make this business decision on my own. I can't make this decision with my future on my own when it comes to my work. I'm going to give this to you. How much better would your business look if you just chose to submit yourself to God? And say, God, even if it doesn't make sense, I'm going to follow you in this because I don't have it all together. How, here's one. How much better would your marriage look if you prayed and said, God, change me? We spend so much time looking at our spouse going, man, God, would you please like help her be a little nicer sometimes, right? Would you help him just not be lazy, right? And get to and do, would you help? Okay, how about you say, God, change me. Quit looking at them and think there's nothing wrong with you that you don't need prayer for. How much better would your marriage look if you said, God, change me? Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm the one that needs to change. How much better would your marriage look? How much more joyful would you be if instead of just worrying and, and freaking out and being stressed over these things, that you took them to God and said, God, I can't handle this right now. God, this hurt I'm experiencing, this situation that's really stressing me out, it's ruining my days, it's causing my mind to go to places that it shouldn't be. God, I need, I'm gonna give this to you. I can't carry this on my own. How much more joyful would your life be? I heard someone say one time, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And sometimes, man, I worry about the smallest little stuff. And it's not small. If it's making you worry, it's not a small thing. And that's called humility. And that's how we tap into the power of God. Humility is how you tap into the power of God. So why is God opposed to pride? Have you ever thought about that? Why is God so opposed to pride? I'll tell you. He's opposed to pride. It all started with Lucifer, the devil, when he was in heaven. He gets into heaven and he says five things. He says five statements. They all have the word, I will in it. And it says this. Satan was saying these things when he was an angel. He said, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars. I will sit enthralled on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. The devil was all about him. But Jesus, he's all about the glory of God. A lot of times we're like the devil. We can look at it and say, man, look what I did this week. Look at all this stuff. I'm going to do all this. Well, guess what? If you're doing that, you're living in pride. And you need to be living in humility. Next week, we're going to be talking a lot about the Garden of Gethsemane as we talk about our Easter message. I'm so excited about our Easter message. But if you look at that, without giving too much away for next week, Jesus had every opportunity in the Garden to go to God. He begged God three times for three hours. Begged God, said, God, please take this away from me. Please, is there any other way? But he would always end it and say, but not my will, but thy will. Not my will, but thy will. Satan wants you to say, I will. But we honor God when we say, thy will. Satan will always want you to say, I will. I will do this. I will do that. I will do that. I will do that. But it's honoring to God when we say, not my will, but thy will. 
Not my will when it comes to, should I date this person? Should I uh, try to, is this my, my soulmate? It's not my will, God, it's thy will. God, I, I know I want to step out into my calling. I know you've called me to this thing, but God, it's not my will, it's thy will. God, I know that times are hard right now and I really want, I really want this going away and this sounds like the easy option. I can just run to this easy thing over here and it can numb me for a little bit, but, but it's not your will. It's, it's, it's God's will. We have to remember that. It's, it's Satan wants you to say, I will, but we honor God when we say, thy will. You see, humility, we think of humility as a weakness. And that's something that's got to change. Humility is not a weakness. Humility is actually the biggest strength that you can have. Because what's the Bible say? That God's power is made perfect in our weakness. When we are big enough to say, God, I can't do this on my own. God, I need your help. I'm going to humbly ask for his help. That is where we tap into God's power. Some of you, you might have had a hard time this week. You may have had a hard time this year, this month. Man, maybe it's time to sit and think and go, God, not my will, but thy will. I'm going to ask you for help because his power is made perfect in my weakness. Joey, come on, come on up. And just like the last two weeks, the way we defend against the enemy, the way that we uh, can battle this thing of pride is through God's word. Some of you, you might need to say this. I will humble myself and pray and seek your face. I love that we're in our time of prayer and fasting right now. And it says this. That if my people are called by my name, will just humble themselves and pray. Then I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. It's humility. Some of you might need to say that. Humble yourself, pray, and you can see healing and you can see forgiveness. Some of you, you might need to say this. I will give thanks to you, Lord, for you are good. Your mercies endure forever. Here's another verse. You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being, it longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Think, think for real. Get, get real with me for a second. When was the last time you realized that you were that desperate for God? Because here's the deal. I don't care how good you're doing. You're always that desperate for God. You're always that desperate for God. You could be the richest man in the world. You could have everything. You'd have the perfect family. You're always that desperate for God. When was the last time that you genuinely said, I earnestly seek you? That's what I love about this prayer and fasting. It's a time every day I can pray and say, God, I need you today. I need you right now. I need you in these areas of my life. God, I, need, I earnestly, I seek you. My whole body, it, actually, it longs for you, God. Some of you might need to take some time in the morning or tonight even before you go to bed and just say, God, I need you. I need you. Maybe you need to say this. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I'm not gonna talk about me. I'm gonna talk about you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I lift my hands. How about this week when you're talking with people, you quit talking about yourself for a little bit. Talk about the things God has done. Talk about the person you're talking to. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. My lips want to glorify his name. Not the things we do here. Or maybe this one's you. 
not to us, O Lord, not to Clint, not to Stephanie, not to Oasis Church, not to us, but to your name be the glory. God, I'm gonna pray right now. God, I thank you so much for the difference you're making in our community, God. I thank you that we're able to sit out here and you've, you've provided for free a way for us to hand out food to this community, God. I thank you for that. I pray that we don't get any credit for that. I pray that people can receive that, that need it, God. I pray it points people to you. And God, I pray that our church is always about that. God, I pray that we are never about serving ourselves. God, I pray against the spirit of consumerism in this church. God, I pray that we don't just come and sit and consume, but God, we, I want to be a church that is contributing to the kingdom of God beyond the walls of this church, God. God, I thank you that we get to be a part of it. God, you know, I've tried to do things on my own here. I've tried to do things that, man, I I thought I could do, but I've been met with so many no's and so many closed doors. And God, only you can do the things you've done. Only you can provide this free place that we have to meet every Sunday night. God, I thank you for this miracle. God, I thank you that all of us right now, we're sitting in a miracle right now, God, that, that I can't take any credit for. Stephanie can't take any credit for, God. Only you did this. God, I thank you for the times, uh, I thank you when we were trying to raise $30,000 in 30 days. That felt so impossible. But God, I, I went to people, I went to person after person, and people told me no. But God, you provided almost double that in the amount of time, God. God, I thank you for that. God, I thank you that you chose us to plant a church in the middle of a pandemic. And God, it's, it's challenging at times, it's hard at times, but I love it because anything that happens, I can't take any credit for. You get all the credit, God. And God, we humbly ask that you continue to do work. Of course, we wanna see this church grow. Of course, we want lost people to come to know you, but God, I pray it's never about us. I pray that we're like a tour guide and we just point at the real thing, the thing that people should be looking at, God, and that is you. I pray we always do that, God. God, I pray that you would make us as individuals in this place humble. Help us understand that where our help comes from, where our provision comes from, God. God, it doesn't come from us. It comes from you. And so, God, I pray that you would just humble us this week. That's a tough prayer to pray because who knows what you're going to use to do that. But I, I, I pray, God, humble us because we need your power. We can't face the things that we face on our own, God. We can't conquer the things on our own. God, we need you. God, we humbly ask for it right now, God. I pray against the spirit of pride in in this church, God. I pray against it in our people that are sitting in here right now, God. I pray against it in my life. God, pride has no place. I pray you help us this week to give those things to you and help us humbly ask you when we need it, God. God, we love you. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for the perfect example of humility in Jesus. He left heaven. He left everything to come down to be born as a little baby all so that we could have a relationship with him. Thank you for that, God. I pray that we would be people that would take up our cross 
and give up everything to follow you. Nothing is worth coming back to after we follow you, God. God, we love you. We thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, can y'all give God a hand in this place just for how awesome he is? I love it. And I love you guys a ton. I'm so tickled. Anytime someone walks in the door, I love it. I love it. It makes me happy because Lord knows I can't do this on my own. And so, hey, if you're having a tough time this week and you're like, God, I just, where are you? Remember on Sunday, you sat in the middle of a miracle. I'm like, you're going to get sick of me saying that. This place is a miracle. This just having church right now is a miracle. I'm going to tell you right now, there are still countless people that we know personally that can't meet. But man, we get to meet everywhere. I love that. I thank God every time I walk in this door to work and during the week in my, my little bitty, my dungeon down there in the office down in the basement. I love it. I thank God every day. And I'm so thankful for you. We've been praying for you. we got one more. we got six days left in this fast. Y'all can do anything for six days, all right? Keep it up. Bang on the door of heaven. Ask God this week for the things that you need and watch them uh, come through. And don't forget next week's Easter. I'm so excited that we get to do this together. It's our first Easter. I'm just so happy. Let's invite people. Let's get them here. And don't forget Saturday, we got Giving Meal. We love you so much. Y'all have a great week, okay? And we will talk to you guys soon. If you need anything, please reach out to us, all right? Y'all are dismissed. Y'all go.